reservations or concentration camps, they can do whatever they want to the people there. And that's why most natives live off reservation. But then they're prey to, they don't get any benefits. They live on the street like a lot of the people I work with. The stories you hear from people are just beyond belief. Even I'm shocked by them. Um, the way they're using people now, not just as prostitutes in these camps for the Chinese workers, but the usual snuff film industry, which has expanded exponentially. Um, and not just natives, but anyone who's vulnerable, which are a lot of single that's moms right. and that, they just vanish, keep their kids vanish. And that's why we've kept up the common law courts and investigations. We're the only independent force documenting this. Canada is very controlled from top down. Our world is changing rapidly. Many crucial systems we depend upon are collapsing. And the most important system that is failing is the food supply. But amidst the chaos, there is a path to resilience. I have the great Marjorie Wildcraft coming to the program. People who do not know her, she is kind of like the mother of ultimate preppers. And she's just, she's really good. I've spent decades finding the fastest, easiest, and funnest ways for the average person to be able to grow a lot of food. I used to be a hopeless gardener, but thanks to Marjorie, I'm growing food, and I'm really happy my family has more food security. Marjorie's webinar gave me the confidence to raise and process my own meat. Food production, and Marjorie, I want to thank you for the, the free webinar that you put out there at that website. I've already had uh, you know massive response from people that love your information and how you, you express the joy of learning how to grow food also, and in a small amount of space, when it really counts. So thank you for all that you do, Marjorie. If you go to sarahsbackyardfarm.com, you can sign up for that seminar, that free seminar. I'll have the link below. And so if you have the opportunity, check it out, sarahsbackyardfarm.com, and you will get a ton of free, great information. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall, and I have Kevin Annette coming back to the program. I've interviewed him many times over the years. It's been a while lately. we got to get him back more often. I know people love listening to him. He was a reverend back probably 30 years ago now, and very pop people loved him. I mean, he was so popular, and he has a whole backstory on it. There's a whole documentary about his situation where he learned about what was going on in the Indian reservation or the Indian residential schools and the local Indians of the Native Americans. And he wanted to bring them into his congregation. He did. And he learned about all this stuff. And then he started exposing it. And it's incredible, his story. He was ended up being nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize three times. Of course, someone like him can't win. But he had, I mean, a lot of very famous people were learned about this and really supported them. And then there was this huge smear campaign by the Vatican and other globalist people. They always do this. They smear and try to destroy someone's reputation. But he hasn't given up. He just keeps fighting and fighting and fighting for what's right. And you learn a lot. He knows a lot about how the Vatican, the inner workings of the Vatican and He's a very big picture thinker, but he really cares about people. And it's he's so impressive. He's the only one like him that has, the, well, there's probably more like him, but he's one of the very few in the world that is so outspoken with his background and just keeps fighting. 
And so he's very well respected in many circles, especially the Native Americans, because they saw what he struggled through to bring that information forward. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how the Native Americans are truly used. In, they're like open, the reservations are like open concentration camps, and they've been used for decades for experiments, the lab rats. I think there's other groups now being used as social experiments all over the country or in the world. We talk a little bit about that as well. We talk about a lot of topics here. It's always enlightening having these conversations. So I hope you learned something from it. You can follow him at murderbydecree.com. And he also has a weekly radio show playing at 5 p.m. Central Time on Sundays. He's been doing that for over a decade. So you can hear him there. I'll have all the links below. And before I get into this, I want to talk to you about Dr. Dean's parasite protocol. You really need to look into this because we are all walking around with all these freaking parasites. And his protocol helps you get rid of these parasites. So many of so many health issues, you know, inflammation is a huge problem. So are parasites. And if you're having health issues, you don't know why your digestive system doesn't work right, which is most of us. It's coming. A lot of it is coming from parasites. Try this. See if you feel better by just flushing all this out of your system. And you're going to need to work on it because we're getting parasites from everywhere. But do a detox. See how it affects your body. You can learn more about this at bravetv.store slash Sarah. Use the coupon Sarah if you want to buy anything. You'll save more money and you'll get more energy. You'll feel better. So I highly recommend it. Okay, bravetv.store slash Sarah. And let's get into this fantastic conversation that I had with my friend, Kevin Annett. Hi, Kevin. Welcome back to the program. It's great to be back. I haven't seen you in a while, and I know you're a fan favorite, but we are going to talk about some pretty heavy topics, which, you know, we talk about a lot, and then we're going to get into um, some solutions, because we have to do that to give people hope and know that there, we, there, are, there is progress being made, even though it sometimes feels very daunting, because I think they're pushing us against a wall as hard as they can, because they, we're pushing back. So, okay, so let's talk about a few things, like... What's going on with the royals, with King Charles? I know you are, he's on your radar. You wish he was out. There's some real bad things he's done. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, they say he's got cancer, but I, I say to people, I kind of quip, I say, uh, the whole monarchy has cancer and they're dying. I mean, and, and it's kind of like shuffling the chairs on the Titanic you know, uh, does it really matter who's the figurehead? But in terms of Charles, absolutely. Um, if folks remember, this last fall, we did a West Coast common law court uh, of justice, and he was one of the people named because one of his own security people, a guy called Major Johnny Thompson, had disclosed the fact that Charles had given the kill order to take out William Coombs, the man who saw our friend in Vancouver, the native man, survivor of these residential school death camps he's he was at the meeting where charles said this guy has to go because he uh william had witnessed queen elizabeth abducting those 10 children from the kamloops res school and they were never seen again uh they were doing a house cleaning they got rid of william but as well it came out subsequently that charles is also very involved with this company called Rio Tinto. It's big. It's one of the biggest diamond companies in the world, diamond mining. Yep. They found a deposit 
billions of dollars worth of diamonds in eastern Saskatchewan in Canada, right on top of this um, reservation, this Cree Indian reservation. Well, what happened, this was in December 2022, the, um, there was one chief on the band council who opposed the diamond mining. That same week, six of his relatives are murdered in one night, along with four other people. And the story was that it was this lone gunman kind of figure, Miles Sanderson, who took a knife and somehow killed 10 people in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, professional operation. He conveniently dies in an RCMP prison two oh, days yeah. later. You know? Oh, yeah. And, and then the prime minister, Trudeau, and the governor general, Archbishop of Canterbury, all fly in to express their condolence, but they all also plant $46 million on the bank council to keep everyone quiet. And sure enough, the deal goes through. This Wally Burns, the chief, backs off after they killed all his relatives. And then they put out this big propaganda thing, uh, how this was just, you know, a sad lone gunman. It's like a Harvey, the Harvey Oswald situation. Yeah, yeah. The diamond mining goes ahead. And, of course, Charles has a big hand in all this because they're one of the chief investors in, in Rio Tinto. The queen increased her her personal uh, wealth by 15 times by her investment in these diamond companies, you depleted uranium companies. So the royals in this uh, company, it's got blood all over their hands. Uh, they're very implicated in all this, and all of this has been coming out. So we figure this whole story of cancer is, is the typical kind of cover story you put out, a health issue like they did with Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, when we forced him out of office. So it's kind of a repeat. It's kind of a really nice deja vu where when you put out the evidence, it definitely has an impact, although they never want to make it seem that way, right? Well, we have so many bad actors at the global level who ha yeah. are implicated for mass murder. And I mean, really bad things. And more and more people are waking up to it. It almost seems like they don't care anymore. It's just brazen. Like, so go after me, you know, because we got all the courts fixed too. Well, they do and they don't. I mean, you know, the, the very fact that they have to do these gestures show that they're worried their backs are to the wall. And uh, it's like when uh, Pope Francis who came to Canada and to meet with the Chinese, by the way, to help underwrite their expansion in North America. That was part of the reason he came. But uh, um, he also made this comment when he was flying out of Canada. Uh, oh, yes, of course it was genocide. As if to say, well, yeah, we wiped out generations of children. What are you going to do about it? You know, it's kind of like that technique rulers always use, right, to flaunt their supposed invincibility. But the point is that's it doesn't hide the fact that the whole credibility is in, in is just collapsed and people everywhere. I mean, it's really interesting, Sarah, because I keep getting emails all over the world of people saying, Hey, we're setting up our own common law courts. We're issuing sovereignty declarations. You didn't get that five or 10 years ago. It's like a, a virus. It, the idea of self-governance and common law courts is spreading all over the planet now. And that's a sign I of agree a, with that. you know, a, a good future, right? Well, I think it's it's the future. I think there's a transitional period because I think the masses don't understand it yet. To ninety nine percent of the people don't understand it yet, so you can't just go there, right? I mean, the society's just not going to go there. It's going to be a transition period, but I'm seeing it, and I think it's absolutely yeah. wonderful, right? And don't forget, uh, in the American Revolution, maybe not even a quarter of the people supported the revolution. A lot were just sitting on the fence, or they were Tories. And it didn't take a majority. It never takes a majority. It takes that act of 
irate minority, as Samuel Adams said, right, to keep pushing. And you don't need more than 10 or 15 percent to move to make history. And, and we've proven that time and again, right? Well, I don't know if we have 10 to 15 percent yet understanding common law. Uh, that's my experience. But I think I'm seeing a huge groundswell because I've done probably 50 different shows on common law with all sorts of different people. And the understanding from 10 years ago when I started covering this stuff to now is is it's overwhelmingly larger. Right. I mean, it's really yeah. obvious. Yeah. But I just don't yeah. think yet that there we have 10 to 15 percent, but maybe we're going to soon. I mean, there's a tipping point. I think with enough people dying that, you know, we always said, well, the pedophilia will wake people up. Well, that didn't. The, you know, everything you're doing didn't wake people. I think what's waking people up is the deaths, the, all these sudden deaths everywhere. What do you think about that? Well, I I don't agree that it didn't wake people up. I think everything we did was pivotal. Like the very fact that we put the Vatican on trial on the Crown in 2012, 2013, and forced Ratzinger out of office, that was over 10 years ago. That's really when the common law movement burst out globally because people looked at that example and said, yeah, it's possible. Somebody did it. And that encourages people. And um, that's now, I mean, when the prime minister and Pope were both using the word genocide, what forced that out? It was our work. It, and so it had a profound impact. But, um, you know, we it, it's like this underground growth. You never see most of it until that moment when things change. And then that's things right. flip really then it flips quickly. That's what history teaches us, right? So we're building that up. Everything we've done has built it up. And yeah. the COVID sudden deaths is just going to yeah, take it over helps. the edge, maybe. I, I yeah. hope so. I mean, something has to waken up these the populace. And I, and I do see people waking up everywhere. I agree with you. Let's talk about the... Um, we had a viral video back in the day on Pope Francis him being leaving office, like hundreds of thousands until they shut it down, right? Mm -hmm. And you were convinced that Pope Francis was gonna leave, but there was a lot of things that did occur and is occurring in the Vatican that showed there was something to all of that. Can you talk about that? I wanna start, because it ties into what's going on with the royals and, and what's just going on in the global landscape. Well, you know, first of all, in terms of the political power, the Pope is always just a figurehead. Uh, the College of Cardinals hold the power. And what's been going on in the Vatican is they made a shift in the last 10 to 15 years towards China and the East. That's where a lot of their money are going now. That's why Biden went over and, you know, made an ass of himself in Rome, fawning all over the Pope. In other words, please don't leave the Western Alliance, you know, stay with us. Um, and so to watch Bergoglio is to be misleaded because like anybody, like a politician or priest, he says what people need to hear. So, uh, you know, the reality is when he was in, and I don't think he's in anymore, um, you know, uh, the real power always laid with Ratzinger while he was in the Vatican. But, you know, he would make pronouncements and all the other cardinals would disavow it. He didn't live in the Vatican. He didn't act like, you Francis know, or Ratzinger? Oh, oh, oh uh, Francis. He never okay, lived yeah. there. Um, and according to, as a Jesuit, He's not allowed to be the Pope. According to the Jesuit rules, you're not allowed to be anything larger than a cardinal uh, because of the long historical fight between the Jesuits and the, quote, white and black popes. You weren't allowed to be a pope. So what the hell is he doing there in the first place? So it was a big stage-managed performance to counter all of the shit that came out over 
over Ratzinger and his personal involvement in the death of children, the Ninth Circle cult, all of that. Um, of course, Bergoglio has his own skeletons in the closet about all that from his days in Argentina. But he's awful. The point is, yeah, it's horrible, and it's the same stuff. But um, you know, politically, he's he's not the real actor. Um, what's going on? But you know, whether he's still alive or not, I, I think it's just again designed to distract. It's the same whole thing about Charles having cancer, you know, boo-hoo. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's to distract people from the fact that, A, um, the system is really in crisis and coming down, and, B, people are waking up to that fact. And when you get those two factors coinciding historically, that's when you get revolutions. The old system can't operate anymore. People are angry enough that a new one can be established. So we're at a very exciting time in history, you know. Where do you see, because we do see it coming down, you know, I talked to a lot of people saying we got to be prepared for when this thing comes down that we build up our version of it, because right. that's what they're waiting on. They knew this is, this whole reset, and they know what's going to collapse, and they're waiting to put in their own systems. How do we counteract that so that we can put in ours when this thing goes down, not theirs? Right. We're doing it. Um even though people may not have the awareness of common law and this whole history and that intuitively you're getting that hundredth monkey thing all over the planet. People are intuitively saying, I have to become self-reliant. I've got to protect my family, our community. We're going to have to start passing our laws, defending our communities. That's everywhere now. And uh, I like that. Dis- you know, when you, I've, I've always loved studying revolutions in history, how they happen, because almost every revolution you look at in England, France, Russia, America, the same thing's going on. The masses of people take action and the so-called revolutionaries are, are more conservative and are holding back and they don't lead it. It's the masses of people lead it. And then they, you know, the professional agitators or whoever, they've got to run to catch up to the people. It doesn't last long, but the initiative is always coming in ways we don't expect. And we always have to be out there on the ground with people to listen to what people are really thinking and feeling. And that's why I don't like the labels of Democrats, Republicans, and all that. It's, again, designed to divide and mislead. That's not where people are at. You know, when you get down on the ground and talk to them, there's a a deep desire for change. And then people know they have to do it themselves now, right? They do. They know that they need to step up and we got to do it because nobody. The thing is, is that we've been trying to make change forever or for so long, it feels like to me, and nothing is happening. And Congress is doing nothing. They just keep doing the same old stuff. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Ukraine because RFK put something out that was really eye opening. I published it because I thought it was really important. And what he was sharing was that Ukraine, it's a big deal. It's that. Ukraine was fight, is fighting to keep their land, right? They're fighting to keep their sovereignty, supposedly, from Russia. Well, they've the average death now is in their mid-40s, so they've really wiped out a whole generation of young men, 20s and 30s. I mean, that's devastating, you know, the Ukraine populace. And now, as part of, you know, the weapons deal, you had, uh, what's his name, um, the head of the Republican Senate. Why is it Mitch McConnell? <laughs> I'm having a Mitch McConnell moment, <laughs> not remembering Mitch McConnell. Okay, but anyways, he he said he said that don't worry about it. This money is not going to the Ukrainian people. It's going to our military contractors creating weapons, right? And then other senators were talking about, and Congress people were talking about, don't worry about the money going. We have loan clauses in here 
And they're going to have to pay us back, as if anybody believes they're going to pay people back. But part of this loan clause is they need to sell all their government assets already, and all their agricultural land is part of that. They've already sold off 30% of their land to big multinational corporations such as Cargill and Monsanto, of which they need to continue selling the rest of it. Many of you remember Dr. Zelenko, the courageous doctor who saved countless lives using hydroxychloroquine during the pandemic. Dr. Z not only saved lives in the United States, but many countries adopted his protocols and he saved even more lives around the world. Since those early days, him and his team at ZStack developed an entire line of immunity building supplements from Z Detox to Z Shield to Z Night. Now they also have Kids Z-Stack. It's the same as the adult Z-Stack, but formulated to protect kids from the onslaught they will see this cold and flu season. What many don't know about Dr. Z was his passion to end child trafficking. Before he passed away, he partnered with Mission Safe Harbor, and now a portion of every sale of Kids Z-Stack is donated to help end child trafficking. Now you can protect your kids while also helping to protect kids everywhere. Buy using the link below or go to sarahwessel.com under shop. Know you are protecting your entire family while also helping to end child trafficking. Uh, uh, we wouldn't negotiate the NATO alliance, especially led by the United States. We would not negotiate at the beginning or along the way when all these people tried to negotiate an entire all their men are dead, a whole generation, and we're taking their land anyways, which they died to try to protect. Not we, but these multinational corporations. It is the, That's familiar. That is so awful. I mean... It's what, hap- it's what happens in every war behind the smokescreen of flag-waving and issues that they feed the masses. It's all about money. It's all about who's going to profit, who's going to control the markets, you know, who's going to get the resources. And the, and, and the currency exchanges and all that. I mean, it's always about money. So that's why you always follow the money to see what's really going on. But and it's the last thing. Go ahead. The last thing, the, the last thing the corporate media ever talk about is that reality. All right. You know, well, who are the economic big boys involved in this? Right. How are they profiting? That's right. Well, what's worse, actually just going in there and taking it over or pretending you're with them and you care about them and taking it over in this back ass way? It, it, it's all so corrupt, and people know that. That's why, you know, I like in World War I, um, uh, George Bernard Shaw, right when the patriotic fervor was breaking out, he said, uh, this is all about money, this war. Soldiers on both sides should shoot their officers and go home. That was his solution, right? Just go home, guys. Stop war from happening, right? That's I mean, right. I, I just, just stop. Yeah, yeah, stop it directly. The soldiers are the ones who can do it. It just um, stopped. Well, they're young, they're naive. Although in Ukraine now, they have the older men doing it. The older men can say, aren't, shouldn't be as naive. They even have pregnant women out there on the front lines. I I know there isn't a lot of women, but there's, they've been showing. It's crazy. You would think the older generations would have not be so naive and would start pushing back. Well, it's strange, you know, uh, that reality makes one despair for the human race, you know, that as human beings, we're angels. As individuals, as a group, we're devils. The old saying, right? There's like we're part of this big killing machine. Individually, people are fine, but then you're part of this collective that's just insatiable machine, and not just in wars, but consuming the environment and resources. And we're all paying the price. So it's time people need to get out of the machine and create something different. And and I think we're 
thinking in that bigger way now, and not we just are. on the issues, but the reality of what we're in as a people. That, that's right. And and I know you yeah. work, you're in Canada, so you get to see a lot of things from a different perspective. Actually, you kind of bridge the two countries, because I know you, your parents lived in the United States, you lived in My Canada. My dad's a yank. Yeah, My yeah. Yeah, and so you, you, you've seen both, and you've experienced both. But what are you seeing up there in Canada? Because we're seeing 9 out of 10 people coming over the border are military-age men, which scares the heck out of people because it seems like there's an, an alternative agenda going on that they're, you know, they have all these sleeper cells everywhere is what it really looks like. What are you seeing up in Canada? Well, it's very blatant. Um, as a matter of fact, sir, for the last couple of months, I've been on a field trip. I've been going around interviewing people all over British Columbia, Alberta, and Saskatchewan, the three Western provinces. They're in the Chinese sphere of influence now, largely because of the resources, uh, Sinopec, PetroChina. All over the northern Canada, they're not only operating as the authority, the police. They've got their own police stations, about 25 of them in Western Canada. The Chinese have their own police stations under their own jurisdiction to arrest whoever they like. And these big corporations that are taking out the liquid natural gas, they run their own uh, areas that are under their control. They have prostitution camps, and that's where a lot of the Native women are disappearing. They're going into these camps to service the Chinese workers in the field, in the oil rigs and that. Guarded by Chinese soldiers, we've tried to send people go in to go in there. They immediately get arrested by the RSMP and won't let them in there. Try to get photographs of this place. It's shut down. It's like not just sleeper cells, this whole area of Canada is now a, a, really a province of China under its military and police authority. It's is that the whole now. east, the whole west coast kind of thing? The west coast and then the two provinces to the east. Alberta, where a lot of the oil is, the, the Alberta tar sands have more petroleum in them than all of the combined resources in the world. That, wow. And China China owns most of it. They want That's that. What the, they've got it. And they've got the Canadian government. Um, you know, thanks to Trudeau and his predecessor, they signed this Foreign Investment Protection Act, which allows China to buy up the whole country and station their troops in Canada. So, I mean, in, in that sense, Western Canada is a write-off. And this includes America, too, because Seattle, Tacoma, San Francisco, Oakland, those West Coast ports are pretty much all, most of the containers are owned by China now. Uh, the ports are pretty much Chinese fiefs, so they're expanding that way as well. Um, so, you know, I mean, that it's a pretty serious situation, but it is a very serious situation. And people are saying, you know, that Chinese China thinks that they are Chinese, like the Native American. This is our land because the Native Americans came from China. And I mean, it's all BS. It's just made yeah, up stuff. I mean, it's yeah. just incredible. It's this, yeah. it's this, like the Israelis saying the Palestinian land is theirs because the Bible says it from 2,000 years ago, so suddenly the Bible's this real estate contract. It's, so, it's absurd, right? But that's Well, it's like, the, it's like the Bishop of Rome saying, I have a direct one-way link to God. Why? Because I told you so, right? That, that, because I said so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but we have to live through this, right? And then the thing is, there are people that are stoned and believe this crap. I don't know if they believe the Native Americans are Chinese. I think the Native Americans are like, hey, no, we're not you. I mean, the, the, they're pushing back too. So these poor women that are being abducted and being yeah. for it's, you know, it's human trafficking again. And, and the women off of these Native American 
places are trafficked at seven times, what, seven times an, a woman that's not on a reservation? Oh, uh, reservations are concentration camps. They can do whatever they want to the people there. And that's why most natives live off reservation. But then they're prey to, they don't get any benefits. They live on the street like a lot of the people I work with. The stories you hear from people are just beyond belief. Even I'm shocked by them. Um, the way they're using people now, not just as prostitutes in these camps for the Chinese workers, but the usual snuff film industry, which has expanded exponentially. Um, and not just natives, but anyone who's vulnerable, which are a lot of single that's moms right. and that, they just vanish, keep their kids vanish. And that's why we've kept up the common law courts and investigations. We're the only independent force documenting this. Canada is very controlled from top down. It doesn't have, like in America, at least within states, among different states, you have some, a state government has a lot more autonomy than a provincial government has in Canada, right? But you don't get that. It's like one crown authority and uh, Vatican slash crown authority. And it, it's now with China, it's uh, it's just a complete dictatorship. So you've got to keep bringing this stuff out all the time. And, um, you know, what else can you do, right? Well, the human rights abuses, we can't stop. We can't stop putting light, shining light onto it because it corrodes, it decays our society from underneath. And as the stuff expands, it keeps decaying our society. People, it's a hidden decay. It's like a cancer festering everywhere and it's going to kill us until we kill it, right? I mean, you you can't yeah, have I see that. that kind of, go ahead. Well, I, I see that there's kind of a spiritual and mental paralysis that hits people when they live alongside this evil for very long. It's like when Chris began to do this campaign over a quarter century ago, people would hear about this stuff and be shocked. Now when you tell it to them, it's like, yeah, we know all that, so what? Well, no, I said, no, you don't know it. You know the spin that's been put out to kind of uh, inoculate you against the reality, right? But it's, it's, it's starting to happen to you. We pointed out to the COVID regulations and all that came right out of the Indian Act. They did it to natives, now they're doing it to you. People have learned that lesson, yet the will, the thing that's really lacking now is courage and will. The will to keep forcing on this, and that's personal quality. I don't know what's happened, but I see diminishing in people, right? Well, they're getting beaten down. I guess it's like a horse being broken, right? Mm -hmm. And we can't allow that to happen. But no, the... No. Uh, but how do you bring that courage into people? How do we get that that spark so that people will do what they inherently know to protect themselves? You gotta get personally affected by it. Um, you gotta lead by example like we did when we were occupying the churches and that. Um, you just lead by example. We say how vulnerable the system is when you push against it. In fact, they back off like they always did and they still do. But to get over that hurdle, I'll tell you, the people who did the occupation were people who weren't afraid in the first place. They were the homeless natives. They said, I get beaten up by cops That's all the right. time. I don't give a shit. Let's go into the church. You know, middle class people will go, oh, wait a minute. What might I lose here? So it, it's partly who you are and where you are. But if you get, you know, the old saying is the best education is a black eye. When you're personally affected and you've been screwed, that's what happened to me. I had to lose my, my family, my kids, my livelihood. I had no options. I had to fight. What did I have to lose anyway? So it's a minority who are in that, but they've got to learn to lead the rest. And, you know, I find with people who are natural leaders, they don't want to lead. Uh, not because they're scared, but because they, who, me? I'm no leader. But That's we've got to right. encourage people. Yeah, you are the leadership. 
you know, I'm a catalyst. You're the local organizer. You're the leader. And that's what a lot what we do in our workshops and give people that backbone to start leading and well, and not look for somebody else to do it for you. And some of the best leaders aren't, don't see that. Yeah, like you're saying, the best leaders don't even see themselves that way. The narcissists who all want to lead aren't very good leaders. I mean, they're just not. And the best <laughs> well, leaders yeah. are they're leading us into hell. I don't know. Well, I, you know, I the cover. Real, go ahead. The real leaders on the ground you never hear about because they just do it naturally. And they don't yeah. think about it. There's that yeah. humility, right? Where yes. I remember when I went uh, in my 30s, I went to a Guatemalan refugee camp. These were Mayan Indians who were forced out of Guatemala by the, the genocide there. And um, uh, one of the translators, when we were in the uh, refugee camp, total destitution, but people totally solid together, pulling together to survive. He said, uh, the Mayan elders said to me, um, our leaders are the ones who are the poorest people among us because they never think of themselves or always thinking of their people. What, can, what do we need to do? And there wasn't I, there was like we. What do we need to do to get out of this and to survive and keep our traditions alive and teach our children who we really are? That's sacred. And you got to give your life for that. I mean, what other purpose is there really with the life uh, than to give it to others? And once those people learn that, they're the leaders, the ones you never see, the poorest, the ones who don't think about themselves. And, and I've experienced that so much uh, in both the Native and the non-Native world. And those are the ones you've got to reach and organize. In a way, you don't worry about the 90% out there who can't be reached right now. You focus on that, that minority of natural leaders and organize them. And they're you know, the veterans who then lead the, the mass in, in, in victory. That's the way it works in a battle. You're always led by the veterans. The new, the, you know, the new recruits are down here trying to avoid the bullets. The veterans have to get up and say, come on. And that's what we got to do, right? That's right. You know, I started this over 10 years ago, and I started doing interviews with people who were on the reservations and things. And, and I learned that as far back as the 90s, they were chipping the Native Americans and tracking right. them, their bank accounts. You can't get health service unless you have money on your you know chips i mean all these things this is what they have planned for the rest of us and so you made a comment that what they do on the reservations they they're almost like they're the lab rats for social experiments right. and then they implement it they were set up that way to do that uh, any ghettoized targeted group like the indian act in canada forbidden under international law you can't target a group like that that came out of World War II and the Nuremberg trials. You can't target a group with special legislation. It's a first step towards genocide. But yep. the Indian Act, as far back as 1874, it said, if you're on reservation, you cannot refuse medical treatment or injections, right? And it's been that way all along. And um, and so, yeah, and, and it wasn't just the 1990s. As far back as the 1950s, they were doing experiments in places like the Lakehead Psychiatric Hospital in Thunder Bay. That's just north of you. Uh, kind of Duluth and you go north into Canada, Thunder Bay, a lot of Nazi doctors came there and developed these, the early, the prototypes of the, the chipping. And they were inserting that in, in, on natives who they gathered up, brought into the Lakehead Psychiatric Hospital. Um, uh, a number of Nazi doctors we identified, including, including Joseph Mengele, were working there. So they've been doing this for many decades on natives and up prisoners and military people that runaway children, you know, the people you can target who no one cares about. Yeah, that's the sad part, because we should be caring about everybody. But we've, 
<clears throat> we're seeing the FDA just recently, starting February yeah. 21st, 2024. I've been trying to get this out there that informed consent is no longer necessary for right. safe and effective treatments. That's the same thing. That's a step towards what you're talking about here. People think, well, it's just giving people Tylenol in the hospital. No, this is much broader than that. This is yep. about giving people COVID shots and vaccines and every anything they deem they want to, because even if it's very, very risky, they're still going to say it's safe and effective. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why uh, essentially we live now with all of the features of a fascist state. I mean, you know, the rule of law is out the window, due process, all of that. But um, at the same time, that whenever you get something like that, its opposite is created. And that's why so many people are shunning the system now because they know that intuitively. And, um, you know, so, I mean, that's the thing to focus on, I think. Well, and that's growing exponentially. People are like, I don't yep. want anything to do with you. I understand yep. government could be positive, but you're so bad that I don't want anything to do with you. Right. And that's, that's good. That's, the first step for people but that you is. need to kind of organize it organize it and and, and give people an understanding of, of what they're fighting because you know they have their own experience we all have a different experience right it's like touching the elephant then you got to generalize and say no step back and look at the whole beast look at what we're facing and knowledge is power then people take off when they can see the bigger picture that's right you give them, they can see it, then they know what their actions are without the confusion, the chaos creates confusion yeah. so people don't know what to do. I want to talk about our area. We're probably the most extreme place in the country or trying to be. And I know with certain laws, we, especially abortion, we, the abortion activists say it's the most extreme in the world. And I just sat down with Cicely Davis. They that wanted to do lunch with me and she ran against Olan, Elon Omar for Congress and she's a wonderful person but I learned a lot from her it was pretty crazy maybe I'll get her on and get her talking talking about some of the things that she encountered during that process but we had a conversation about how this area is being used as a social experiment for so many things and what do you think about that? Because it's like we're in competition to be farther left than California or New York. And they're just they're going to implement the Canadian Death Act, which is crazy. That's going on one out of ten. What is it? The one of the leading deaths now in Canada is euthanasia. Yep. They're trying to do that. I mean, every extreme measure they're trying to it's like they're experimenting with this group. Well, in any rural area, you get that more. Like Canada is such a great experimental site because it's so huge. And uh, that's why more Nazis were brought into Canada after the war, including all the scientists and mind control doctors, more into Canada than any country in the world because people could then disappear easily. Um, similarly, in the Midwest, if that's the area you're talking about, um, and Saskatchewan, where all, all these Cree Indians were killed, that's part of the Midwest. I don't think in terms of countries, but regions. So you got the Midwest in both Canada and, and the U.S. And there were more residential schools and hospitals in Saskatchewan alone than anywhere in the country, just like in the Midwest. You know, that infamous example of when um, the American Indian movement in the 70s, remember when they occupied Wounded Knee? Mm -hmm. And there was a big shootout, and a lot of people were killed. The FBI murdered all sorts of Native activists. That was this, this close effect that all of this uranium had been discovered in, in, in South Dakota, in the West, in the Black Hills. And um, they used that as a cover to 
get the Army Corps of Engineers in there to grab all the uranium. So that's the thing in a rural area, a lot of valuable resources. And, you know, people, frankly, people who are in the West, the farming com- communities, they're very trusting people. They're good people. And they wouldn't imagine that this stuff would be going on in their own backyard. It's like confronting the church over the crumbs. Who, the church doing this? That's not possible, right? So it's psychologically and materially in that it's the way to operate. You hit the rural areas. You don't go after people in the city, right? Starting the rural areas first, just like we need to do in a way. Starting the small communities work in, right? Well, a lot of people can't believe that the Vatican could be so evil, right? Because they project that they are full of love and the opposite. It's a 180 degree turn to what it is some of their actions are displaying. So people have a hard time wrapping their head around that. Only if you're a Catholic, only if you've been brainwashed from day one, because if anyone objectively reads the history, it's the most murderous institution in human history. And they, their, their whole creed is very violent and bloody. God murdered his own son on the cross. I mean, it's sick, you know, and it, it legitimates the crushing of children at a young age, which is how you control people. You traumatize them at a very young age. You get them afraid of the, the father figure, and you can do anything to them. So I peel back the, the, the lie of religion to look at what's really going on. Well, and that's what you have been doing your whole post post being a reverend, right? You started exposing all this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. What a wake up call that was for you to see it from. It's traumatic, isn't it? It's traumatic. to yeah, I, mean, I was as stupid as anybody else you know, when <laughs> I was in it. I, I, I never I never trusted organized religion. You know, when I was a minister, my sermons were very much about the human Jesus, like in Matthew, Mark and Luke. You don't talk about the Son of God. He just says, I'm this guy. I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's this wandering rabbi, you know, who, who's just preaching about this kingdom of heaven that we should all live in. Um, so I, I really brought in the human Jesus and said, look, we've got to emulate that. And love each other, take care of each other. That's what it's all about. No more complicated than that. And that got me in shit because then I opened the pulpit to native survivors of these crimes and bang. I began to lose my illusions quickly because, bang, I was hit in the head a lot. I lost my children. I had to wake up, right? I could have denied it and gone on and been a slave, which a lot of people do. They deny their own experience, right, which is never a good thing. You've got to look at what's happening and say, well, what conclusions do I need to draw now and change? That's right. You know, there's a reason for all this, right? And I'm, I was put there for a reason, just like we all are when we're put in the front line all of a sudden, right? Well, you were doing it for real, right? You read what Jesus said and you believed it and you wanted to share it. And that's what helps yeah. so many people. And then you yeah. realize that they weren't serious about it. It's like, well, what, what do you mean? Well, they were not only serious, the hatred that came out of me. You know, I'll tell you, Sarah, I mentioned this in my film Unrepentant, but what really woke me up wasn't hearing all these stories from strangers, from Native people about they were tortured and, and they saw their friends buried and all this. It was when it happened to me, when I saw these church guys who I thought were my, my colleagues and friends deliberately destroy my marriage, have my children taken from me. I looked in their eyes and there wasn't any humanity there. And I thought, bingo, if they can do that to one of their own with such inhumanity. Think of what they could do to a native kid who is not one of them, who is brown, not white. I mean, of course they could kill them. So it just, bang, hit me all of a sudden. I've been part of this murderous lie and I've got to now dedicate my life to helping other people out of it for justice for not only those kids on the ground, but 
all of these kids who are suffering now from it, and all of us who are contributing to this murderous machine behind a religious facade. And and so I, uh, all of that together is really what created this whole drama. I mean, all of this, all of the stuff we've done led out of that experience. I guess the choice I had to make, you know. Well, I think it's it's just brown people. I think when you look at Ukraine and the oh, yeah. gender, those are all white people. I think they've oh. just don't care at all. I, you know, maybe it used yeah, to you're be. Yeah, you're right. Maybe it you're used right. to I, be. I, Go ahead. Well, I didn't mean, it, just for me in that one incident, it was about, you know, sure. the, the inherent hatred these people had towards natives and anyone talking about it. The hatred is still there. I mean, the stuff that has happened to me and the, the attack, the vile attacks, and it's just, it's amazing how religion can allow people to do the most inhuman things. Uh, because God absolves us, right? And that's, that was said to me a number of times by people who we caught in the act. They said, that's okay. I'm, I'm a believer. God forgives me for these things. Oh, geez. You know? I can do anything because I yeah. believe in God. Because I go and do confession, I can do anything bad. That's right. what the mafia thought. I mean, they were very Catholic, right? Christian. They would go and tell it, but then they'd go and... Well, they're really the same. They're the same institution very much. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, okay. Well, okay. Where can people follow you? And you're always trying to find solutions. You're working really hard with the common law. I know that you're working the in uh, Federation of Indigenous Nations is another group that you're, I, I think you're working with them. I know they want to. Uh, so where can people follow you? I know you have a radio show once a week. Yep. Uh, the best source first is murderbydecree.com. And if you go to ITCCS updates, that's got all the news we've been talking about for the last several years, especially. Just go in there. Uh, RepublicofCanada.org. We haven't talked about that, but that's our our alternative to this murder in Canada, Sovereign Republic, uh, which is slowly growing. We've been a police that are members now, our CMP officers, who have disavowed the oath to that idiot in London and taken it to our constitution. Um, our radio show, blog show, every Sunday, 3 p.m. Pacific. Is, uh, so that'd be, I guess, 5 p.m. Central Time. Uh, bbsradio.com slash who we sound, stand. And um, that's been going, we're in our 10th year now of broadcasting. And uh, you can find all my books at murderbydecree.com and that. And write to me, uh, angelfire101 at protonmail.com because I'm constantly on the move. Like I said, this field trip I've been doing, I'm going to start in April again, uh, March, April, on the speaking tour all over the continent. So please write to me and We'll get together. Excellent. Thank you so much for returning to the show. It's been a while, so we got to do it again sooner this time. We sure will, especially with all the news coming up. We'll do yes. it. Thanks, Sarah.